Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. This week it comes from Tyrone Marshall, a football writer from the Manchester Even News who covers Manchester City. Tyrone, thank you very much for popping onto the podcast. How are you keeping? Are you well? No problem. Yes, I'm very good. Thank you. Very good. Looking forward to uh, another trip to St James's Park. Was there with United only last month. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that journey once again. Yeah, it should be a cracking game. Hopefully Newcastle can upset the odds because I don't think there's many people expecting Newcastle to get the better of Manchester City. Um, but looking from the outside in, uh, Tyrone, it's, it's not been the vintage Manchester City that we've come to uh, know and expect. They have been um, pushed quite close to the line by teams you would expect them to run uh, wild over, the likes of Luton and Sheffield United. But their form has picked up of late. Would you say that we're starting to see the old Manchester City or are they still beatable? I think we're starting to see the the kind of City you expect to see at this time of the season where they normally hit a very good run, hit a, hit a winning run and, and kind of grind everyone else into the, into the dirt really and run away with things. I think there's a sense we're beginning to see that team that things are picking up for them. Certainly, I mean, we're talking about three weeks ago maybe when they went to the Club World Cup. They'd won one in six in the Premier League. They, they were fifth when they came back from the Club World Cup. And I think there was a sense then that they, things weren't quite clicking, things weren't quite working. Even though Guardiola kept saying he was happy with performances, they, they were dropping points you wouldn't expect. But it seems that Club World Cup and, and that week in Saudi Arabia has been really good for them. You know, the, the football over there was, was pretty routine, but I think having that week together has made a real difference. And since they've come back, they've, they've been really good. I think that Everton game, when they came back and found themselves 1-0 down at half-time, to, to go on and win that 3-1 with a good second-half performance, to come from behind, to kind of build on that momentum in, in Saudi Arabia, I think was big. And I think we're, we're seeing now a city that I think are that you would kind of expect to see that have definitely improved on, on probably what we've seen a month ago. So what do you think was missing in those weeks when it was a little bit turbulent? And, and how has, has Pep Guardiola managed to to fix it or, or seemingly getting back to that old city that we've, we've, we've come to, to know and expect in the Premier League? I mean, it's very difficult to say, to be honest. I think they, they've had they've had injuries, not loads of them, but you know they haven't got a, a huge squad. I know it, it's a bit of a myth that they have this deep squad. What they have is 15 or 16 brilliant players, and after that, not not an awful lot. So they've had they've had a lot of injuries. Um and they were, I think there was just a sense that maybe they were just a little bit, a little bit too casual, really, just gone off the boil. Maybe needed something to get them going, a bit of a challenge to go to get them going. The, I mean, the extent to which they were outplayed at Villa Park was remarkable, really. I think I don't think anybody expected that come in. And then the game before the Club World Cup, where they were two 0 up and, and just totally cruising against Palace, and they just took their foot off the gas and, and let Palace back into that game from nowhere. And you know, I think there was. They won't admit it, but I think there was maybe a little bit of complacency just creeping into them then. And, and I think they kind of needed that chance to reset and, and the Club World Cup probably gave them that. I guess given the standards that Pep set and when they fall so short uh, below them, that it just acts as motivation, I guess, to, to, to get it right and spurs them on to, to find the remedy and fix the issue. And as you say, it seems like he's on the road to doing that, if not already um, has sorted it all out. Yeah, I think so. And there was always that feeling this year of, of where would the motivation come from? What what would it be? They've they've won so much under Guardiola. They won the treble last year, and you know he always talks at the start of the season about whether he can see that 
that kind of fire in the players' eye that they want to be there, they want to go again. And last season would have taken a lot out of them. That they actually started really well, but like I say, there was then that sense that things weren't quite clicking, and they they went to you know they they put a huge they put a lot of focus on the club World Cup. I think a lot bigger than than certainly fans did. As nice as it is to win, I think for the players it was it was really big, and they've. Guardiola, when he was over there, and a few players since have talked about kind of closing the circle and that being kind of almost the end of, of seven and a half years, that they've taken seven and a half years to win everything and, and this being a refresh now. And when you speak like that, you can kind of come out of a tournament like that and think, well, we, we have won everything now and your standards can drop. But it does feel like it's had the opposite effect for this team that they have kind of closed that book that I think they felt a bit of pressure to win that tournament because European teams should always win it and... City knew that they they needed to win it. You never really know when you're going to be there again. So I think once they'd won that, it, it has given them the chance to say, right, what what is next? And next, I guess, is is try and win the treble again if um, if possible. And it it does feel like it's it's done them some good, and they have risen to that challenge. And you know, maybe maybe being questioned has actually helped them rather than just being top and being a point or two points clear. The fact that. They, they could have gone 10 points behind when the club woke up. They, they went down to fifth in the table. And I think having everyone kind of questioning them and writing them off has maybe given them something to, to rally together behind. And they've found uh, their form probably just, I don't want to say just in time, because that maybe is a, a little bit of, of exaggeration, but they are five points behind Liverpool with that game in hand. And as you say, they could have been a lot further behind. So from a, a City point of view, really important that when they did come back from Saudi Arabia, that they, they, they didn't slip further behind and, and they continued that winning form in, in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it could have been worse for them over there. They, they were very keen not to talk about the Premier League and just to try and forget what was happening back home but you know Liverpool did play twice I think maybe th- I think three times in fact before between City's games there because they had one postponed and then played late after Christmas the the fact that Liverpool and Arsenal drew with each other while City were away was was probably a bonus for them that was the best possible result really that that neither team stole much of a march on them there um, and yeah they, they had to come back and, and win games like I say I if they go on to win the league this year, I do wonder if that Everton game will will prove to be quite big because they went one nil down. They were one nil down at half time, and you know they they haven't played badly. They they were clearly the better team in that game, but the fact that they'd won one in six in the league, they'd let Leeds slip. They'd just been a little bit casual in games leading up to that. It felt like if they'd have lost that, everything that they'd have said in Saudi Arabia, all that momentum they'd built up would have gone. And the fact that they came behind and won that game, the, the celebrations in front of the away end at Goodison were really big that night. And you did feel like maybe that 45 minutes where they went from 1-0 down to 3-1 up, got the win they needed in, in what is a tricky place to go at the moment, given kind of what's what's uniting Everton there. It did really feel quite big. And like I said, they've, they've won every game since and it does feel like they're, they're hitting their stride now with some big names to come back as well. When you look at the performances against, say, Palace, uh, against Luton, you mentioned Everton there. We could even throw in the game against Sheffield United as well because they certainly weren't at their best. How did those teams at least threaten uh, to get the better of Manchester City or in the case of Palace even managed to get a point? And what can Newcastle United take from those performances of of the opposition of City there and City, or is the question a little bit irrelevant because since they've come back from the Club World Cup, it's 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 a total different City to what say Sheffield United faced prior. 
a little bit, yeah. I think there's there's certainly a a case for that. I mean, the the biggest thing they've done since the Club World Cup is is tighten up defensively. You know, since going there, they've kept four or five clean sheets, and you know they've they've not been difficult clean sheets to keep. The, there was the semi final and final over there, the Palace, the um, Sheffield United game at the Etihad and, and Huddersfield. So it's not like they've been unduly testing the keeping clean sheets against big teams, but. They've been conceding a lot of goals before then. I think it was something like maybe eight in the league without a clean sheet. Um, so it, it feels like they've tightened up a little bit, like they've got a bit more control back. You know, it's, you, you look at that Palace game and it's it's hard to kind of... It, I don't think it's impossible for any team to look at that and think we'll do what Palace did because it was kind of just a fluke. Palace were never in that game. And then suddenly they had two attacks and scored two goals, really. And, you know, it's, it's a fantastic result for Palace, but you wouldn't look at it and think that's a long-term strategy. And... I think when when they beat Sheffield United two 0 a couple of weeks ago, now it was, um, it, it was a much more, you know, they they kind of took their that was probably the, the Palace game was the one where it felt complacency crept in most of all that they were two 0 up, and they just kind of thought it was one. And again, Sheffield United there was no sense of that, and they never gave them a sniff. And I think they've improved in that. But like I said, they've they've not faced opposition of the caliber of Newcastle. I think it's fair to say since since coming back, even Everton talking there about it being a hard place to go, which it is. Excuse me, but they're not in brilliant form at the moment. So they've they've kind of had an easier run of fixtures, and after Newcastle, they've got an easier run of fixtures. Still, this is a a real this is a two month period where they've got a very appealing run of Premier League fixtures, and Newcastle away always stood out as the one that was kind of the real big test for them in there. Well, fingers crossed from a Newcastle point of view, it is a big test for for City. Newcastle haven't been in the best of forms uh, for themselves. Um, a really horrible run in the league. They did beat Sunderland in the FA Cup, a, a local derby, which hopefully can be the turning point for their season. Back at home as well, they've lost uh, to Nottingham Forest, but other than that, their record is is fantastic in in, in the Premier League at home. And that is probably the, the, the positive that Newcastle fans take into this game is that they can get back to hopefully winning ways at home. When Pep Guardiola, when City look at Newcastle at, at present, are they looking at their current form and thinking, okay, we can get at them? Are they looking at the home form and thinking, you know, that they're very good at St. James Park, so we can't underestimate them? How do you think they'll be approaching this game? Uh, I think they'll be they'll be cautious and nervous about it for sure. Um, I think going to St. James's Park, they'll they'll feel that that's a, that's a typical game, that the atmosphere is going to be intense. There was obviously the the three three game. Um, there, there's a lot there that I think will will make Guardiola and City fairly nervous and like I say this game has always stood out in this run as the one real test and Newcastle haven't been playing great of late they, they obviously got that big win in the cup but it does feel like generally it's quite a, a hard place to go I mean that Forest result stands out really as, as something you just don't really expect from Newcastle at, at home these days so I think City especially with this being a 5.30 Saturday kickoff I think City would expect the atmosphere to be to be pretty intense and pretty fierce so yeah, I, I don't think there's any danger of Guardiola underestimating him. I think when we hear him in his press conference, I think he'll be lavishing praise on Newcastle and, and Eddie Howe and making sure his players know that they're going to be in for a, a really tough test. Yes, he's always very respectful, isn't he, of Eddie Howe and Newcastle uh, United. In terms of City's approach on the pitch, uh, Tyrone, how will uh, they set up? How will they will they take the game to Newcastle? Will they invite Newcastle on? Just give our listeners a bit of insight into how City will approach it on the pitch. I think they'll look to, to control it. That's always been Guardiola's watchword recently, certainly in recent seasons. Um, he's kind of embraced the chaos a little bit more this, this year. He's 
certainly when the players have been fit. I mean, for a while we had the, the front four of Haaland, Alvarez, Doku and Foden, which is the most direct attacking front four he's, he's probably fielded in years at City, um, maybe ever. He just he, he normally wants wingers like Grealish or Bernardo that can play the extra pass and come inside. And he's kind of forced into playing this more attacking front four. And it, it did work for them. We're kind of seeing, I think, them heading back towards control a little bit now. I'd be very surprised if Haaland started. His his injury status has been a bit of a mystery for a while now, and although he's back in training, it's it's it, it you know there's, there's been a few weeks now where you're kind of expecting him to be in the squad and he's not there, so maybe he'll be on the bench at the weekend. But I think it'll be Alvarez up front. The big question mark is is does De Bruyne come in? But I think I think City will look to play it. They'll look to dominate possession. They'll look to to stop Newcastle, and I think they'll see Newcastle as a, a real threat on the counter attack. And as a result, I think they'll just look to basically not lose the ball. And if they do lose the ball, to have players behind it. So I think we'll see we'll see a City, I think, trying to control the game and, and win that way rather than, than going gunko. Certainly going to be a big test for Newcastle. You mentioned there uh, the Bruyne, Holland returning from, from, from injury. I mean, they're two big players not to be in the starting eleven, but also when you look at the options that Pepper's got, you know, he has got options people who can come in and, and re- replace them. And I was looking at the, the lineup for the FA Cup game against Huddersfield and City's bench was rather eye-watering, whereas Newcastle are still struggling with injuries. That, you know, they haven't got options to change it up, up other than um, who who they have gotten that starting eleven really. Um, so how have City coped recently without their big names? Yeah, I mean, you have to say fairly successfully. I mean, it's it's been a month. Just over a month now since Haaland played. Same for Doku, who's who's had a real impact this year. And De Bruyne hadn't played until hadn't played since the first weekend of the season and until last weekend. So and John, I mean John Stones is another who's absolutely vital to the way City play in, in terms of what he does in that kind of central midfield, centre back hybrid role. No one else can really do that. And he's had a few problems this season, has missed games. So they've missed some big players and to be where they are, I think you'd have to say is is a success for them, and that is the good thing this year. That arguably, when everyone's fit, Guardiola's probably got more options than he's had in in recent years. Because if everyone's fit, you, you've kind of got the option of Foden or De Bruyne or even Alvarez in that role behind Haaland, Doku or Grealish on the left, Foden or Bernardo on the right. There's there's a lot of options, especially in attacking areas there for Guardiola when everyone is fit, and I think that's that's probably what's swinging it back towards their way in, in terms of looking ahead to the run-in in the second half of the season that they, they have got big-name players coming back and, and they've, they've coped pretty, maybe I'd say very well, really, without them, especially Haaland over the last month and, and De Bruyne for the entire season, really. It must be nice to have those options. I can hear our listeners, especially early in the show when you mentioned City suffering from injuries. I think their phone or Alexa would probably gone out the window when you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. Newcastle have had it tough, haven't they? Unbelievably bad luck uh, of late. Callum Wilson will be missing. Joe Linton's a doubt. Um, and no doubt anyhow may unfortunately spring another surprise on us on, on Friday morning when he talks about who is available and who is not. You mentioned there simply trying to control the game. And what will be really interesting is to see if Newcastle can rediscover the press, which has made them so fantastic for me. They are probably the best press inside in the Premier League when it has worked. It's of late. It's not worked because of the injuries that the players are looking tired, a bit disorganised. 
it's kind of the first real uh, run of, of of weeks where Newcastle haven't been playing weekend midweek, and that's going to continue. Obviously, being out of the Champions League and, and what have you. Um, if Newcastle, and I'm a little bit doubtful. I think unfortunately this game might come a little bit too early, but fingers crossed from a Newcastle point of view, they do rediscover the press. We saw in that game um, last season that three three draw. Um, you know, if Newcastle have the press, it, it certainly can can struggle somewhat. Yeah, they can, and I think we saw that against Villa as well last last month. I mean, that was that is the that's the biggest job any team has done on City since Guardiola's been here, or well, since his discounting his first season when he was still getting to grips with it. That is easily, although it was only one nil and it was a late-ish goal in terms of domination. That is the biggest job anyone has done on City. I think Villa had twenty shots and City had two. They were in the same attack in the eleventh minute, and they didn't have a shot after that, and they were even chasing the game at some point and. You know, no one does that for City, and and Villa did it. Villa did it through energy and intensity, and, and that press, and playing a high line, and just putting so much pressure on the ball, and and City just couldn't really breathe and couldn't get control of the game. So that is the way to do it. Like you say, Newcastle have have got that in their locker, I think. Um, and if they can produce that, I think it would it would make for a a, a pretty close game. I think. Fingers crossed. I think it, it it will be a massive blow if Joe Linton, as we expect is unavailable, picked up an injury against Sunderland, which means it'll probably be Lewis Miley. So you lose that physical element that Joe Linton brings to that midfield three. And the midfield's really been an issue for Newcastle of late. Um, Often when they go forward, you will find the three-man midfield kind of on the edge of the opposition box. And if they don't produce a goal, then the opposition can counter and, 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 and punish Newcastle. Is that something that City might look to take advantage of? Yeah, possibly. They're, they're, they're kind of hit and miss with, with counter-attacks. Like I say, Guardiola, was, especially last season, he, he really prioritised this idea of control to the point that he didn't want his team to counter-attack. He, he wanted them to stop and play. You know, He always talks about playing 100 passes, and the idea of that is that it allows players, his players to be in the right position so that if they lose the ball, they're guarding against counter-attacks. So once you've had 20, 30, 40 passes in a move, you should have every player in the right position and... If it goes wrong and you lose it, you're protected. So City often kind of shy away from, from counter-attacks. They've become a bit more direct this year, I think, through through necessity in a way because of the people who've been playing. Um, so I think it's it's a weapon, you know, it's clearly a weapon they've got. It's one they've used a bit more this year. And I guess it kind of depends on on who they play and, and who's fit. And, you know, for the, the, the real interesting element is probably who plays in that kind of most attacking midfield role because it's, you know, it's De Bruyne owns that position. I'm not sure he'll be considered fit enough to start the game yet. But Foden has been sensational there of, of late. He really has been brilliant. And I think he, you know, if those options present themselves, then he, he's great at carrying the ball forward and playing those passes in behind. So that is, you know, that's certainly an option City would look to use. But equally, it wouldn't surprise me if if Guardiola, if, you know, City start a counter-attack and Guardiola's screaming on the touchline for them to stop and, and let everyone get settled because... He, he likes the structure to, to his team and his players being in the right position. Hmm. I guess from a Newcastle point of view, they get into goal scoring opportunities. They've got to take the opportunities because you know you don't get many against Manchester City. I think that's another thing that's probably been lacking of late. Is they've just not been clinical enough when they've when they've been in goal scoring opportunities uh, or goal scoring positions. Uh, in terms of the uh, main strength of Manchester City, then if you were sitting down with Eddie Howe and you were saying Eddie. This is what you're going to have to stop. What would you be telling them? 
That is a that is a tricky one because I don't think it's weirdly. I think last year when they won the treble, it was defensively and the fact that they'd the, the, you know the strange thing about that success was that Guardiola was a, a manager who wanted to field a team of central midfielders who ended up playing a defensive central defenders. Basically, it was it was four centre backs and that's what City were great at that they could commit so many men forward last year because their defenders won one on one duels. That has been more of a weakness this year. Um, you know, Diaz has, has gone off the boil. But previously, at, at this stage of last season, or maybe maybe March onwards last season, Guardiola would have thought nothing of letting Diaz defend one-on-one -on -one against Isaac, for example, because he knows he'd win the duel. And he'd let Walker or Stones or whoever was playing right back against Gordon because he knew he'd win the duel because City had four big physical defenders. That's probably gone a little bit this year. So at the moment... I mean, their their greatest their greatest strength of late has probably been the the number of chances they're creating and the fact that they are looking looking so good going forward again. So that is that is probably the threat. And if there is, you know, if you're looking for a weakness, maybe the fact that, like I say, they they've not defended that well of late. That the one on one duels that they were winning last season, they've been losing this season. That's something that Newcastle are going to test in a way that their recent opponents probably haven't. From a, a City point of view, do you think who do you think the one person above all else in that Newcastle United side is, is the one they'll be looking to keep quiet? Um, I think it would probably be one of the forwards, um, maybe Isaac or, or Gordon. Um, you know, I, I think they will fear that that pace on the break and, and that ability to hurt them. And that if they do get caught 2v2, then they are really dangerous players. So I think they'll be looking at those, um, you know, rather than a midfielder, for example, as, as good as you know, Himerez is, for example, I think they'll look at the, certainly, I think those two, maybe, maybe Isaac ahead of Gordon, but I think those two, they'll be looking at and thinking they're, they are the danger to us. They're the ones that are probably going to hurt us. Well, fingers crossed they can do. Uh, we can't end the episode without talking about a certain Calvin Phillips who has strongly been linked with a move to Newcastle United. Now, listeners of the podcast know I'm not really in favour of such a move uh, because I question just how match fit he can really be given his lack of minutes. You might be able to tell me I'm I'm totally wrong um, with that criticism. What what what, are you, what is your understanding of Calvin Phillips's future? Is it likely he leaves City and do you think that maybe Newcastle is the most likely destination? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of where um this month, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously there's been interest from from Juventus and that's been pretty strong at the end of December. It hasn't developed as, as maybe expected. So I think that gives gives Newcastle a a real possibility of, of doing that deal. Um and like I say, I, I think it's just a matter of where Phillips knows he's got to go. City basically wants him to go and would accept him going now. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any future for the for him there, really. I think when you know when, when Roddy got sent off earlier in the season against Forrest and Phillips came on and he stopped after the game and was was very honest and said, This is, you know, this is make or break, this is the week for my city career. And he played at Newcastle in that Carabao Cup defeat, but then didn't start either of the Premier League games. And I think he knew then that the writing was on the wall. And if he wants to be starting for England in the Euros, he's He's got to go, and I think City are aware of that. So I, I think the only question is is the destination he ends up at, rather than whether he actually goes or not. Well, what, why hasn't it worked though at, at City? Because you do reference that Rodri sending off, and and that that always springs to my mind that he ended up actually playing 
uh, Lewis, didn't he, in, in a position at a fullback, yeah. end up playing in that in, in the centre ahead of uh, of Phillips, and obviously Pep's come out and he's he's, he's kind of said, I'm, I'm sorry for the way you know Phillips has been treated and, and and what have you. But what is missing from Calvin Phillips's game that he can't be a like like replacement for someone like Rodri when 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 you look at it, he really should be, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should. And and this is probably a Guardiola thing. In a way, it's it's probably very hard for me to explain exactly what is missing because, you know, to, to my eyes and to your eyes, he looks the natural fit. But for some reason, he just isn't for Guardiola. And I would think it is to do with his, his passing and what he what he doesn't do that, that Guardiola wants him to do in terms of keeping the ball and that that level of control. Um, but like I say, I think to, to our eyes, I think to most... City fans' eyes, it was, it, it, he looked the ideal fit, but there's just, you know, like I said, Guardiola talks about how sorry he is for him, but still never plays him, and there obviously is something missing, and I think there's there's clearly a good player there, but for whatever reason, he's just not quite done it, and I think if, you know, if Rodri was Newcastle's defensive midfielder, I think Phillips would, would if he was suspended for three games, Phillips would get in, because he's probably not being asked to do things that are kind of as as complex and as detailed in a way as, as Guardiola demands of, of his players. You know, we know he's he's pretty unique in terms of what he wants from from players. And I think that's maybe where Phillips has fallen short. But from what you've seen of Newcastle, I don't know how much or little you have seen of him and what you understand of, of Phillips and the way he applies himself. Could you see that deal making sense for, for, for both parties? Yeah, definitely. I think it's. I think it would have a real, a real possibility. I think it could work. Like I said, I think Phillips is desperate to play for starters, um, so I think that would be a real attraction to him. So, and I think he'd, you know, he'd, he'd fit in there for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we we saw at Leeds that he was a really competent and good Premier League holding midfielder. So I think he'd he'd definitely do a job for Newcastle. To be honest, I think he'd he'd probably do a job whether starting or kind of as a rotation option for most Premier League teams. Just the he hasn't done for City for, you know, one well, maybe one day Pep will sit down and explain in, in detailed tactical talk exactly what it was that he was lacking. Um but it's you know it's it to our eyes it kind of looks like an obvious obvious to play him. But there is there's obviously something that he doesn't do in games and doesn't do in training that, that kind of prevents him from getting in. Well one to watch from a Newcastle point of view. Tell and all that remains to be done then is to get your score prediction for Saturday. How would you see it going? I I think it'll be tight. I'm banging a two-one City. I think they will. Um, I think they'll just get over the line. But I think it'll be a tough game for them. Two-one City. Well, I've um, been on a wave of optimism since the the Weirtown Derby victory for Newcastle, and I predicted a one-nil win yesterday in our match preview podcast, and I'm going to stick by it, no matter how many people tell me I'm absolutely crazy to do so. But a one-nil win for Newcastle is what I'm holding out for. Everyone, thank you very much for popping onto the podcast. Much appreciated. To you guys watching and listening, please hit subscribe, follow, give the video a thumbs up if you're on YouTube. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll bring you coverage of Eddie Howe's pre-match press conference and Pep Guardiola's and live coverage of this game through a dedicated live blog. Uh, For myself, I'll see you very soon. 